The following audio is from Abner Creek Baptist Church. For more information, visit www.abnercreekbaptist.com. Well, we, um, we're going to look at Luke chapter 12 today, and um, let me just encourage you to turn there. It's important that you know a couple of things before we begin, and that is that uh, I know that we have taken a good deal of time this morning, so we're, we're not going to be here for another couple hours. It'll only be, you know, uh, we'll, we'll be fairly brief. Um, it's also important that you know this, that um, what we just did, what we shared with you, we are not doing that because Pastor Scott is gone. He, he very much wanted us to do that. He wanted us to have that time. This was uh, planned long before uh, the passing of his grandfather. So what we're doing today is not like plan B, but um, it's just important that you know that as well that uh, Pastor Scott has, has been such a great source of encouragement to us as we have gone to Peru these times. And, uh, and he, of course, with a group from us, it, it will be leaving in the next few days to go to Toronto. So we certainly remember this group, and we will pray for them um, today and, and uh, send those uh, folks out, as it were, before we leave. But as you look to Luke 12, I want to give you a word that will, in one way, feel somewhat devotional instead of... Um, instead of exactly like a sermon. Luke chapter 12 has a theme, and that theme, I'm convinced, is, is that we should have an eternal perspective. We should hold fast to eternity. This has so many benefits, and I would ask you to just read along with me as we read Luke 12, look for the, the theme of eternity, and then we will come back and, and point out a few things before we leave. Luke chapter 12 Uh, Verse 1, in the meantime, when so many thousands of the people had gathered together that they were trampling one another, he began to say to his disciples first, speaking of Jesus, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Speaking of, of eternity, there's a day when that will happen. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light. Frightening words. And whatever you have whispered in private rooms will be proclaimed from the housetops. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body. In other words, do not have merely an earthly perspective. Rather, and after have nothing more they can do, but I I warn you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has the authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them forgotten before God. Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, for you are of more value than many sparrows. And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And and everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Go down to verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, uh, who made made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. It begs the question, what does one's life consist in? eternal things. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. 
And he thought to himself, what shall I do for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I'll tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all of my grains and goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for you for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. In other words, have an earthly perspective. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have, pre- you have prepared... Whose will they be? So the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they they neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Look at verse 29. And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Verse 32, fear not, little flock. Why? Why should we not fear? For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions Give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Stay dressed for action. Keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home. Because he will. Wait for your master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he, comes at knocked, when he comes and knocks. Blessed are the servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Verse 40, you must also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Verse 43, blessed is the servant whom his master will find doing, uh, so doing when he comes. Verse 49, the last section we'll consider. I came to cast fire on the earth. This is not hippie Jesus, by the way. I came to cast fire on the earth and would that it were already kindled. I have a a baptism to be baptized with and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Do you think that I have come to give peace on the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division For from now on in one house there will be five divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Let me encourage you, church, to have an eternal perspective. The first thing I'd like for us to note is back at the beginning of the chapter, and that is that holding fast to eternity, holding fast to an eternal perspective, keeps our heart, motives, and our actions pure. Look at verses 1 through 3. In the meantime, so many thousands were gathering to him. They were trampling one another. Uh, Jesus says, beware the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. And then he says in verse 2, nothing is covered up that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. Whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light. Whatever you have whispered in private rooms will be heard on the housetops. Our holiness, our Christ-likeness is not seen in what we do in public. It is seen, uh, moreover at least, in what we do in private. 
Many of us who are tempted to have an earthly perspective think, well, I can say and, and believe what I would like. I can speak about these people. I can say hurtful words about these people as long as they never find out. But God says, I am not so much concerned about your outward holiness as I am about the things that you say in private. If we have an earthly perspective, we will do whatever we want to do as long as we can get away with it. If we have an eternal perspective, we will be concerned about what God says about our heart and about what he knows we have said in private behind closed doors. It keeps our heart motives and our actions pure. The things we say and do, this passage says, will ring in eternity. That is a glorious thought, and it is a frightening thought. The second thing we should uh, take note of is in verses 4 through 7. It says, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he is killed, has the authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Holding fast to eternity, second point, holding fast to an eternal perspective, it keeps our witness steadfast and pure. This is the very reason why believers who are enduring persecution, when when they are asked the question, are you a Christian, they don't cross their fingers behind their back and lie because they know that the only name given under heaven among which men may be saved is the name of Christ. So they would rather honor him and die for it than dishonor him and answer for it in eternity. If we have an earthly perspective, we will do whatever spares us pain. If we have an eternal perspective, we will do whatever brings God glory. Having an eternal perspective keeps our witness steadfast and and pure. It causes us to not fear those who can only kill us. It causes us to fear the one who deals with us after we are dead. Thirdly, uh, and we'll, we'll be in verses 12 through 31... Uh, says this, or 13 through 31 rather, 13 through 21, I don't know what I'm saying. Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And he said to him, man, who made you a judge and arbitrate, who made me a judge and arbitrator over you? Take care, be on your guard against all covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Thirdly, holding fast to an eternal perspective guards us from the allure of possessions. The Lord, God is not so much concerned um, about you uh, possessing things as he is about things possessing you. If we have an earthly perspective, we will be building bigger storehouses to store our stuff in. If we have an eternal perspective, we will be sacrificing, we will be be, uh, giving generously because there are things that are beyond this world that are what the philosophers call the really real That is where our treasure should be. We store up treasure in heaven because heaven is the place that will last. Fourthly, uh, holding fast to an eternal perspective wards off anxiety. Let me read this to you. And and folks, I, I know that many of us need to hear this. He said to his disciples in verse 22, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor your body, 
what you will put on. And look how he raises the bar in verse 29. Not only should you not be anxious about it, he says in verse 29, and do not seek what you are to eat or what you are to drink or what you are, or, 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 nor be worried. Many of you perhaps are like me. You think that everything will be okay as long as I'm concerned about it. Everything will turn out okay as long as I'm worried about it. As long as I demonstrate to everybody that I care so much that I'll lose sleep over it. And while there are unhealthy extremes, some folks who, who, who need to be providing for your family or, or you need to be working harder at this or you need to be focusing on this and, and maybe there's some sloth there, there's some laziness, I don't know. The reality is, is that the heart that is so daily consumed with his own needs or his own wants or her own needs or her own wants is not a heart that is trusting in the Lord. And it will be, 100% of the time, a heart that is anxious. Um, I have what, um, what folks who are in the um, secular world might call an anxiety disorder. Um, it may not be clear to you, but it is an inward struggle of mine. And the only cure is this. The, the, I used to get so stinking frustrated when people would preach sermons on anxiety and they would say, don't be worried. I was like, well, thanks, man. I had never thought of that. <laughs> Glad I came today. I got all dressed up. Fear not, verse 32. Listen to these words. Fear not, little flock. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The only remedy for your anxiety is learning deeper and deeper who the Father is. Last night, how many of you know, have you ever been able to tell the difference between someone doing something for you out of obligation and someone doing something for you because it was their good pleasure? I have an aunt who everything she has ever done for me has made her happy. I'm not there yet. Serving other people, just making me joyful, you know. <laughs> Last night, I went to a auto parts store. I won't give you the name of it, although I am probably going to do a pretty bad Google review later. Um, I went to an auto parts store because my truck has recently, the battery has been getting weaker and weaker and weaker. And last night, yesterday I left the door open for a couple of hours and it, and it killed it. You know, the light being on and it killed it. And so it almost didn't crank for me a couple times. Had to jump it off once. And I, I get into this auto parts store at 8.52, Okay. So many of you know that I worked for a short season at a bank. And when people come in eight minutes before the doors close, you are happy to serve them. You know, This was not the attitude of the sales associate last night. And I asked him, I was asking, I didn't know what time they closed. You know, I didn't know, I knew it was getting close to nine. But I asked him, I said, so if I, I need to purchase a battery, I'd really like to go ahead and swap the other one out so I can get the core charge and all that. I said, do, do you guys change batteries out or do you just loan tools, whatever, you, do, you know, that's cool, that's fine. I'll be happy to change it myself. I just don't know what your policy is. And he says, well, let me put it to you this way. 
Uh, it's eight minutes before we close, and I'm not going to change it out. And snarky Greg just about made an appearance. <laughs> oh, man. I almost said, well, I would hate for you to have to work until 9.02, right? Man, terrible. Um, it was not his good pleasure to serve me last night. Um, so I took the battery, went home, changed it. I've got to go after church today to take it back so I can get my $5 back and maybe give him the dirty eye as I walk in the door. But that's the difference between someone who stands ready to serve you out of obligation, like, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I, I wouldn't bet on it tonight. It's eight minutes before we close. I was like, how long does it take you to change a battery out, bro? You know, like, you do this for a living. But anyway, um, that's the difference between that and a God who stands ready to give you the kingdom. And in fact, he does not do it out of obligation. He does it because it is his good pleasure. It is God's good pleasure to give you not only peace with God, but the peace of God. And for those of you, brothers and sisters, who are struggling with anxiety, it it will not come perhaps in, in a glorious, you know, like a little ray of sunshine on you this afternoon. But as you rehearse to yourself and as you allow yourself to be in community, in a life group, in a church that loves you, that is helping you to rehearse these truths about who God is and his real nature. And as you do what Philippians says, when you, when you do not, you're not anxious about everything, but you bring everything to God by prayer and supplication, this picture of someone who is constantly a beggar before God, humble before him, having thanksgiving, making list of all the things you were thankful for, little by little, you will grow closer and closer to Jesus. You will know more and more who he is and less and less and less will you be anxious. And I can guarantee it because that's what the Bible says. And secondarily, it's been my experience. Fifthly, holding fast to, the, to eternity keeps us focused upon and believing in the value and eternal worth of the task that God has given us to do. Uh, let me translate that a little bit because it's long. Every one of you in here has work to do. God has called you to do something, whether it's to be in a classroom or to be a janitor or to be a, a whatever the case may be, to, to manage an account or to be um, you know, a, a salesman, salesperson, a, a stay-at-home mom. Your work is valuable if it is done in the Lord. Look at verses 35 through 40. Stay dressed for action. Keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at the table and he will come and serve them. And look at verse 40. You also must be ready for the son of man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Having an eternal perspective... Having an eternal perspective means that we must know that our work is valuable to God and he will return to examine it. That's how you know that God cares about your your menial changing of the diapers and, and updating of the spreadsheet and whatever it is that you do, God cares about it because he will come and examine what he has called you to do and the place that he has placed you in your daily uh, tasks. Because wherever he has placed you has an eternal end. There are folks there who must know about the gospel that he has brought into your context. He cares about your work and he will return 
to examine it. I'll encourage you from 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says this. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. In the Lord your labor is not in vain. Sixthly, Holding fast to eternity allows us the wherewithal, it gives us the courage and conviction to endure when it becomes clear that we must divide with others over faithfulness to Christ. Look what he says here. I came to bring division, not peace. I I came, verse 49, I came to cast fire on earth and would that it were not already kindled. Verse 51, do you think that I have come to give peace on the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division For from now on in one house there will be five divided, three against two and two against three, father against mother, mother against father. I gave this short encouragement to the English uh, church gathered in Peru while we were there. And looking at me were the eyes and the faces of people whose mothers-in-law and fathers-in-law and brothers and sisters and Parents um, and maybe even kids were not happy that they were where they were in the world because they've got a medical degree and it would be better to be in Dallas making a couple hundred thousand than it would be to be treating parasites in, in, in Kurawasi. Parents don't understand why they're there. Mother-in-law definitely doesn't understand why they're there. Kids are wondering, when are we get to go back home where things get to be normal? But because of eternity, it allowed them the resolve and the conviction to do difficult things and to, when it was necessary, to divide with loved ones over what God had called them to. I would dare say that there are folks here listening to me, and you know who you are, that if you now do what God has called you to do, it would cause some kind of rift with somebody. But Christ brings us the resolve to follow him. Number seven, and lastly, holding fast to eternity, and this is the one that ties everything together, Holding fast to eternity, it prevents us, it keeps us from viewing all of the above, all of the other six things that I've said. It prevents us from viewing all of those as simply just another burdensome and impossible rule. This is how I could have preached this this sermonette. I could have said, hey, here's what Luke 12 says. Uh, Keep your motives pure. Do it, try harder. I could have said, uh, keep your witness pure. Stop polluting your witness, Christians. I could have said, you know, don't be consumed by possessions. I could have said, hey, don't be anxious. Just don't. Stop worrying. I could have said, uh, you know, hey, your work matters. Believe it. Go home. Eat supper. I could have said, you know, uh, just... You guys gotta gotta suck it up, and, and, and if your if your parents don't like what you what you call to do, just do it, you know. But if you hold fast to eternity, then the things that I have just outlined are not just more rules to follow, more burdensome and impossible rules that we can never do in our own power. And here's why we know this: 
is because we are not called to be people who serve our God because we have something to prove. We are called to serve our God because we have something to be thankful for. John 19, 30. Let me read this to you. Simple words, profound. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. 10,000 years, and by the way, and then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It is finished. To tell us, die. It has been done. A past action with ongoing effects. Is that tense in, in, in the Greek? It has been finished and is applied to your life now. It is finished. That means that every time you fail to be peaceful, every time you are anxious, is not a failure to earn something of God. That means that every time you fail to cast aside the desire of possessions, that is not, a fa- that is not ten points less from you earning your way to God. It has been finished. 10,000 years in eternity will scarcely begin to exhaust everything that is contained in those three English words. It has been finished. We do not work because we are people who have something to earn or something to prove. We work because we are people who have power from the gospel and we have something to be thankful for. That is why we work. So let me encourage you. Do not be anxious. Know who the Father is. Rehearse the truths to yourself. Put yourself in a group of people who will help you rehearse these truths. Do not follow after the allure of possessions. Why? Because there are greater joys. And do it Do it all knowing that Christ on the cross has purchased for you the access to God and the power to follow him. Let's pray. Lord, you are so good. You give us your word. I pray that uh, even a small measure of your grace would have accomplished encouragement this morning from your word. I pray, uh, Father, for, for changed lives. We need this. We need daily change. We do not simply need to to know that we have been made, that we have peace with God, but we need to be uh, working out the peace of God in our lives. I pray for those in this room who are right now, whether or not they would admit it, they are being led away by the allure of possessions. Um, Lord, I pray that you would draw them back to deeper joys. Help them to see that there are deeper and more valuable things in Christ. It's an encouragement we all need from time to time, Lord. I pray for those, for perhaps a student at school who is tempted to not name the name of Christ because at that moment they are fearing more what mortal man can do to them instead of what the Father uh, can do. I pray, Lord, for those in this room who are tempted to, uh, to worry, to be anxious, those who are struggling from, um, for, from different uh, circumstances and even uh, e- even um, disorders, what we might call disorders. Lord, I pray 
that you administer your grace through allowing us in your process of repentance and sanctification, growing to be more like Jesus, that we would know more deeply and more deeply and more deeply who is our God, who is our shepherd, that he is eternally rich and eternally gracious. He has everything, and it is his good pleasure to give it to us. Lord, I pray for, the, for our neighborhood. I pray because we have a neighborhood who needs to hear this message, that there is peace with God and, there, and that there is peace that comes from God, that there is eternity to think about. I pray for the, for, for the group that is going for the group that is going from us to Toronto soon because eternity is real and because those who hear their message and, and turn aside from it will go to an eternity separated from you in a real place called hell. These truths have weight. And I pray that many would come to know you. I pray for the one this morning who has until today not considered the full weight of eternity They have been living in the day-to-day. And today, Lord, you have awakened them and you have aroused their hearts to see that there is something more and that they need Christ. They need peace with God. Whatever the case, Lord, I ask that you would move on hearts in this time we're able to reflect and in this time we're able to respond. I pray in his name. Amen. This time of teaching is brought to you by Abner Creek Baptist Church. For more information, visit www.abnercreekbaptist.com.